Sports with Adam Curry for January 13th, 2020. This is episode number 21. And hello, Mr. Moe. How you doing, sir? I am good, Mo. It's a very sad day, of course, for this show. As uh, as we mourn the uh, suspension of Cory Booker's campaign. <laughs> he was our last hope. Happy trails to you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the news is kind of going crazy. It's like, what? There's, uh, there's only white guys up on stage, and that includes Elizabeth Warren as a white guy. Oh, yeah, just, I heard that. I heard that too. <laughs> so it's like they're just going nuts over it. Anyway, uh, today uh, I don't know what we're, we're. I mean, you always surprise me with uh, with your topics and uh, uh, compliments again for the last show, man. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. I love seeing people on noagendasocial.com or on Twitter where they're like, "Wow, holy crap! I learned something." That, that kind of changed my perspective. It's fantastic. I'm sure you see this too. Yeah, and and the last clip threw everybody for a loop. So I mean, I took great joy in that. <laughs> oh, it, 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 if you didn't get to the to the end, you missed something because yeah, that totally. I mean, we could hardly even end the show. It's just like, uh, okay, <laughs> just just guess. I guess I'll get end it now. Okay, like the Sopranos. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, exactly what? like that. Exactly. Um, so we uh, we do think we're bringing you some substantial value here, and. Uh, um, we'd like to uh, see if you could reciprocate. It's a pretty simple system, value for value. You listen to us. If it is a value to you, put that in numbers and go to mofundme.com, M-O-E-fundme.com. Uh, of course, mofax.com, and uh, you can uh, support the show there. Actually, we, we got some nice donations. I don't know if we're ready to do a, a thank you segment, but we did get uh, some nice donations in. I, I will say this to one special... Uh... I guess producer family. I don't know what you want to call them, but um, thank you. You know who you are uh, with your special number, and thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, All right. So this is what we call an anonymous friend of the family. Yes, friend. Of the, is that? That's, I think that's what it is. Friend, friend of, of the, the family? family. Okay, I like it. All right. Friends good. of the family. Friends of the family. Excellent. So what are we doing, uh, Mo? What? Uh, what? What's uh, on deck? Show topic ISO. <laughs> okay. The patriarchy. Ah, ah yes. The patriarchy. Okay, the patriarchy. I've always wondered. So we're doing a show. So ab- nice, you about- got it twice. <laughs> so, uh, a show about me, basically. Am I not uh, a part of the problem? Am I not in the patriarchy? Well, I'll think it's more of me being the problem. Uh, maybe your influence on me. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, not uh, personally, but just what we what we've seen here is we talked about this before. In 2020, that uh, politically, we're going to see a wedge driven between black men and black women. Yes, with black women uh, supposedly needing to take charge and show the, their uh, black men the error of their ways. Yes, the powers that be want to isolate black women into their own demographic. And so I've been seeing little jabs of verbal... Um, bombs cherry bombs been lobbed over you know but this one really caught me and i was like okay it's official um are black men capable of maintaining a loyal relationship oh i don't speak for the black community but i do think that a lot of black men they really don't know how to have true faithful relationships 
they think because they have money, because they have power, that they can treat women any kind of way. Lonnie loves the same thing. And that <laughs> is something we need to work on. We are still dealing with the point of uh, slavery, and we are descendants of slavery. And because our families were broken up, we still do not have an idea of what, how to have together families because our families were broken up. Wow. Okay. A lot of things in there. First of all, this is uh, the real, isn't it? The the talk yes. show. Yeah. Yes, the real, and yeah. that's Lonnie Love. Yes. Who is Lonnie? I don't know her. She- uh, she's a a black lady, uh, the heavy set black lady. <laughs> oh, on the okay. Show. Yeah, I know who she is. Yeah. All right. Got it. Uh, right. And before this clip, uh, maybe a month or two ago, she let it be known that she's interracially dating. Hmm. Uh, a older white man. And I've noticed since then, she's been throwing little, you know, little baby jabs at black men, but she just really came out. And to say a whole group of people, a whole group of people that are was, not. It was, it was completely racist, bigoted. Or, completely. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, and, and, and if if this would have happened and she came back and gave an apology, then it, this really wouldn't be a show. But for, for her network, yeah, not to come out and make her apologize to a whole demographic of people, yeah, that let me know that this is sanctioned, not maybe influenced or make, told to say this, but it's like okay, yeah, we can let that ride. <laughs> Did you see any uh, pushback on Twitter or any other social media about about what she said? Because I I didn't see anything. Because it- this said this said the black manosphere, which is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a black YouTube. It's more like uh, the kind of like the MGTOW-ish. I don't want to put that label on them. Men, but men, men going their own way. Yeah, men going their own way. Black men, black uh, people that are black, positive towards black males, all positive right, towards right. the black patriarchy. All right, all right, wait. I'm hearing a branding opportunity here because, <laughs> because we need to be able to name this. I understand what you're saying, but there's no name for it yet. Well, that actually is, and uh, a couple of people have coined the term. That's why I call it the black manosphere. Uh, but it set it on fire. Oh, because really? Of, like oh, okay. Said before okay, okay. That she said that um, she's interracial dating, um, and she kind of made the excuse of why. Well, she um, she did something kind of nasty. She I, I, she kind of said, well, you know, this is all historical, and it's, you know, no man about the house is, I guess, what mm-hmm. she referred to. Um, what, no, wait a minute. She went all the way back to slavery, right. which is bullcrap. Right, which is bullcrap because on this show we've discussed the time right after slavery, black people had a high level of two parent, uh, right. ma- uh, households, right. marriage. That's right, and it declined in the nineteen forties, fifties, sixties to where it is the state is now. Mm-hmm. So that was bull- she was even incorrect in her uh, analysis of why it was. But my thing is for her to be able to say that on a national uh, television show and nobody made her apologize or walk it back or anything that lets you know that it's open season on black men and the black patriarchy. Not to belabor it. Um, what's the name mm-hmm. of her? uh her her older boyfriend i have no idea because he's not he's not he's like he's not known 
Uh-huh. And that's the other thing. It's like you didn't get. <laughs> okay, I'm looking. Going... Well, I'm you know I'm 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 naturally curious. Uh, right. Okay. His name is James so... Welsh. All right. Okay. Boring guy. All right. Let's <laughs> onward. <laughs> okay. So onward. She's not the first person, as I stated before, that has said derogatory uh, comments about men and. Sometimes when people say men, they only mean a specific group of men. Mm-hmm. We had a singer named Kay Michelle. This I did a show on it on my on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, where she says, "quote I don't think men are good people." So they pressed her on this topic on this radio show. Notice the radio, black radio, where she's propagating this uh this mindset, and she said, "Oh no, only good person I know is my dad." That's it. Hmm. Uh. So after that, I took this next clip. I took, went back and listened to see if I need to clip that part. But it wasn't really, I just expressed to you what she said. But I found this little nugget um, that I found interesting. Nowadays, that's not the men that I see. Mm. They don't have any of it. No heart like that. Like, I went to JJ's yesterday. I wanted to go to Campbellton. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you finna get it? Yes, I am. And I went back there with the dudes in the back. And young dude asked me, he said, who, where your security? Where you at? I said, well, sir, how old are you? I said, why are you asking me for the security? You supposed to secure me. Mm. You the black man. Yeah. Like, why I gotta be scared around you? You supposed to protect babies and men. Speaking. These men ain't protecting nobody. Why do you think that is? Cause they mamas ain't raised them, <laughs> and I and and they they've seen it's what they've seen. If you don't know, you don't know. They haven't even seen better, you know, for them to know how to do better. All right, here's what I heard. I heard a mm-hmm. number of things. The one that was I I think would be quite offensive is their mama didn't raise them. Did I nail it? Yeah. That, that you don't. Yes. And by the way, you don't say that to a black mother. I don't care if it's true or not, unless you want to get that shoe. Trying to do Eddie Murphy. <laughs> so here, here's, but she made a valid point. Who raised them? Right. Who raised these young men? Their mothers, for the majority, not fathers. Yep. The the. And this is the point. This is the really the point I want to make in this show and highlight in the show. And we're not going to be attacking anybody because it's not what I really do. I highlight how things are, how they got that way, and who was behind it. That's kind of like what we do on on the show. Oh yeah. So for her to say, why did she say the fathers? Because that would, what you would think a man would get his male traits to protect and, you know, masculinity to be protective for women and children and things of that nature. You would say, oh, man, your father didn't teach you anything. Well, I, I, I presume she's um, making a generalization that uh, uh, black men grow up without their fathers. Exactly. And that's the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. That is the root of the problem. How can you learn something from somebody that they're not there to teach you? Now, we're going to get into why we spoke about why uh, no man in the house and it just became now it's cultural. It's cultural. But there was a there was a period. I mean, some things that happened in between the no man in the house period and now mm-hmm. that we're really going to deep dive in because I know people like, oh, we kind of covered this topic before. Yes, we did. But there's one segment of time. 
that we didn't really get into. But you're probably wondering, why is this a big issue? Why? Where did this really crop up at? So I was uh, looking through some old clips I had, and I found this interesting one from uh, MSNBC and Donnie Deutsch. Oh, this guy. (laughs) That guy. Yeah. Okay, Donnie Deutsch, former advertising executive. Here we go. Donald Trump was the aggressor, was taking it to her, but he lost the debate. And let me tell you why. It's very simple. This is no longer about politics. This is a gender war. Okay? This is, I've spent thousands of hours in women focus groups. And the Friday thing. How did you sneak in? Listen, listen, guys, this is really important. No, no, no. no, 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 The Friday thing of, we don't have to redo it, of grabbing a woman's Every woman in America was, listen, you would dismiss it, was lensing that through last night. As he was lurking behind, as Nicole Wallace said, I would have called 911. As he was telling he's going to jail her, women in America are going to stand up and revolt. It's always been about the women, and there will be more to come. And the words didn't mean anything. What every woman in America who has ever been held down, oppressed, harassed, there is something in them. There's a nerve that is hits that so transcends everything else. And if you're not seeing that, oh you're, missing, you're missing the. By the way, that's oh. not the point that men objectify women. We all know that. It's what they heard and saw. Okay. Where do, how do you interpret this? This is a gender war. Well, of course. <laughs> of course. Everybody's talking about World War III. Iran, no. World War Three is the gender war. And it's and it got hot 2016 or leading up into 2016. Mm-hmm. The election. That's when it went hot. It was cold. Uh, but now this is where we're at. And I know that's a stretch. You're like, well, come on, Mo. But for a certain group of women to come out on television. And target a whole demographic uh, repeatedly, um, woman after woman. I could I could have did ten of these clips of celebrities, quote unquote celebrities, saying sideways things towards black men. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting you you brought uh, Donnie Deutsch in because what he I think specifically in what you know the Morning Joe show that he's on, what they they really are uh, or they believe, and I think they're correct. They are speaking to us white suburban moms. So it is a gender war, but it's uh, it's right now you've got an old white dude saying this. But what I'm hearing here uh, in your clip from the reel is now we have mm-hmm. uh, black women basically trying to split off black women from black men. Yes, because they don't want that mindset of asking for tangibles, which tangibles is a logical thing. Uh, you give me something for something return. Uh, no, they want the emotional play. So they need us out of the way so they can run their emotional script like they've been doing for ages because it doesn't work on this anymore. Or for the most, for, I mean, take that back. It doesn't work on a sizable portion of the black male uh, community. It doesn't work anymore. And it's funny that you said that. I'm, this is great why you said that. You said that uh, MSNBC Morning Joe targets white suburban women. That's my feeling. Well, it was something I couldn't clip because it was visual. So you have Mika. She mouths to a black female pundit that was on this panel. Yeah. Uh, oh, that thing you said about white women. It was like it was really uh, inaudible. 
so you couldn't really um, yeah. I could catch yeah. it, read lips and see what she's saying. Uh-huh. She said thing the thing you said about white women and like nodded, and then the black female pundit dove right in, uh, <laughs> and it was like. Yeah, white women finally can see about uh, being victimized by Donald Trump with him saying, grab him by the, you know what? Now they can see the pain, you know? And then Mika gives us an okay sign, like, great. That's great. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> now, uh, I, I'll post it on my Twitter, you know what I'm saying, so people can see that clip. But it was just amazing, like, right on cue, she sent, you know, saying, like, get him. And and, I, and that's where we're at right now, get him. Right. But, but at this point, we are talking about talking heads and pundits on television who may have a who have a different who have an agenda and have a, a program they're running through um i don't know if this it's i i doubt this is universal outside of television land and politics land or is it well we're going to investigate the influence of television oh good well and how it trickles how it trickles <laughs> how down it fucks uh, everybody up yes exactly right <laughs> uh-huh um so, but Lonnie Love, she's not a political pundit. I mean, she does daytime television, which I think daytime television is some of the most powerful propaganda. Sometimes, I mean, I'm off on weekdays. Um, I used to be off for weekdays. And I would just sit down and watch it. I'm like, holy crap. I, I mean, this is a straight up... Um, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a view watcher. So, yeah. Right. Uh, totally. It's, all, it's massive propaganda. And, and shaming. Group thing, <laughs> shaming, cancel culture. Oh, yeah, it's all there. Absolutely. So, I mean, I just took that away so we can't just poo-poo what uh, Lonnie says. Um, and like I said, just the, what got me was, you know, most of the time the network like, well, you need to go clean that up, you know. And that just goes to show you what they think about black men. Wow. That's, that's... <laughs> We're not a demographic. Any other group, you could say, uh, yeah, uh, lumberjacks. Right. You know what I'm saying? They can't maintain a, right. a lower relationship. And, and, you know, the lumberjack contingency would come out and say, hey, uh, you need to uh, back off the lumberjacks. And they would right. come out. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> You'd have a spokes, spokes hole, at least. You'd have someone to, right. a union, the a group. from Brawny. Yeah. <laughs> you had a guy from Brawny. Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. So, uh, one of your favorite guys, uh, Jason Whitlock. Oh, yeah. No, I, um, I love this guy. He's uh, from Fox Sports. Do. Fox Sports 1, yes. right? FS1, yeah. Yes, but I found him doing an interview on a podcast called uh, Schoon TV, Unscripted. Oh, uh, man. Now, we know that on podcasts, people always get loose. And I think uh, Whitlock, is he, he talks really straight on mainstream TV. So I'm, I can't wait mm-hmm. to hear what he's got to say here. I, I'm a fan of this guy. It's the pot honest truth. Uh, it's about, about to be set loose. So, yeah. um, uh, Whitlock won patriarchy. Believe in family. Uh, be- believe in the patriarchy. Well, and again, I, I don't told. I am the patriarchy. I tell people up front. You know, and it, it, it. I pay a price for that with these woke women out here now. But uh, I believe men. And women have unique responsibilities, and I'm willing to live up to mine as a man. I don't, and again, unique responsibilities, not unequal responsibilities, unique responsibilities. All the responsibilities that apply to a man, I'm willing to take on. Okay, fair enough. So I think that was a clear statement of where... If you had to say where the black patriarchy was, we all know what our responsibility is, and we're willing to the guys that that lip up to that 
uh, standard. And what does that uh, mean? One, I, I got to call you out, Mo. What does that mean? What is yes. the, what is the standard? What is, what is that? Living what up he to just it. said uh, is um, protecting women, protecting children, being a provider, uh, being responsible for your actions, using logic over emotion. It's a very uh, traditional, being, very traditional approach to a relationship. Very, mm-hmm. very, and this is this was the bedrock of the black community before you had second wave uh, feminism come in and kind of drive a wedge there. Uh, now, and now we're seeing the results of third wave and we're seeing the destruction of the black uh, family structure. And this is where we're at. And it's like now with the information age where people can pinpoint where we went wrong, people can go back, read literature watch videos, see stuff, how things really went down and it can pinpoint it. It's like, oh, we're not going to recreate or redo those mistakes. Uh, We want to fix it. So you have a lot of guys, a sizable number of guys that want to be fathers in their homes. They want to be providers to their wives, you know. But to get what we respect in return, that's where the, the rub is. and. I, I wanted to lead off with that clip of his because men and women are equal. They're not the same, but they are equal. And we have unique roles. Um, oh, man. You know, th- that's so unwoke of you. I mean, that's... Th- I'm just saying, there's so there's an additional dynamic to this is what you see as, you know, a traditional or a, the roles and the relationship, mm-hmm. which I'm not disagreeing with. Um, is so traditional that it's actually not woke. And, and I think there's a brain fry going on with some people when you want that. It is. Yeah. This is the new woke. I'm, and the reason why I say that, woke is, I think woke is used to mean counterculture. Counterculture. Yeah. And patriarchy in the black community is the new counterculture. Masculinity is the new counterculture. Oh. Not tox, not toxic in the form of masculinity of uh, bravado and uh, being overly gangster so, or whatever. No, you no, call but it. like, but uh, um, yeah, the literally patriarchal. <laughs> Funny enough, that that's exactly what, <laughs> what the request idea. is. The request <laughs> is patriarchy. <laughs> oh no, this is this is yeah, brain fry. Yeah. Uh, but, but let's get here's some more Jason uh, Jason Whitlock uh, Black Family all kinds of decisions are being made all kinds of new cultural norms are being established mm. that perhaps you don't agree with and but you're running around chasing after Trump and don't even care that all your cultural norms are being reshaped and and again we have created particular it's throughout American society, but it's most acute in our society. We have been convinced as black men and women Mm -hmm. that we don't need each other. That's the most toxic, poisonous, dangerous creation we could have. We're on the precipice of self-destruction. If that takes root. Wow. Yeah. So, and here, here's the thing. However other people want to live their lives, it doesn't bother me. 
uh, I voiced my opinion on it should be a parent in the home and a parent that works. I think that's the best situation. Now, that's not ideal for everybody because of financial reasons. I'm not saying one gender is obligated to stay at home and one gender is not. But I think traditionally, one parent should be able to stay at home. And just to point that out, um, what would she be fighting for instead of um, the gauge on the uh, what is it, the wage gap? Mm-hmm. We should be fighting for a wage where families can live off of one income. Yeah, no kidding. I, if we all got on the same page, <laughs> you know, but the power structure doesn't want that. That's why I said this is World War Three, and it's being fought in the kitchens and the living rooms and the bedrooms inside the homes. When you say the power it, structure doesn't want that, I, I, what what don't that what for what reason does the power structure not want that? All right, here, here's my theory. It, just my theory. Okay, after World War Two, and we heard some of this on the show. Black men came back from World War II wanting to have a piece of the American pie, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was to be had. I mean, we had the spoils of war going into the 1950s. That was like the ideal American time minus the race stuff, minus the race stuff, just American life. When you watch American television, you know, you had the two cars and the white picket fence and the two and a half kids, you know, everything was just perfect, Mm -hmm. right? What did that lead to? The 1960s, where you had the generation of free thinkers, and they said, no, we can't have that anymore. We need to keep everybody so stressed uh, financially and otherwise that they can't produce free thinkers. Is that crazy? No, no, I, not at all. Not at all. So I think that was the problem. Like, And they looked in the 60s like, oh, this is what prosperity breeds. But you a know, bunch it, of free thinkers. It's, <laughs> it's like, but it's no, pretty yeah, but it's pretty short-sighted uh, this current strategy. But I guess uh, certainly in power and politics everything is short-sighted. It's a short cycle. Yeah, I mean cuz they they're, they're going to profit anyway. Yeah. I mean they, they just they're too big to lose. I mean not you not not to use a uh uh cliche but they really are too big to lose so i mean it's not about profits then it's about control right um yes no yeah it's desperate 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 times desperate measures and all in full in chop away and speaking of control one of the control mechanisms is well jason speaks on that and uh whitlock too again you gotta social media is not the real world Mm -hmm. in my view That is a world controlled by Silicon Valley and how uh, white liberals and other liberal activists, how they want us to be perceived is what social media is, particularly Twitter uh, and, and the whole black Twitter phenomenon that they created, that perception that there's a black Twitter and that black Twitter has a monolithic liberal voice. That's a created thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure i mean i'm i'm in i'm in gray twitter and i see yep. and that's I, I see a lot of interesting conversations certainly not a lot of agreement that's i don't see one big block but that is what it can be perceived as and shaped as and called for sure mm-hmm. and this is the council culture this is the control mechanism that we were speaking about how you can basically control people's thoughts yeah in a way it's like 
uh, if it doesn't fly on Twitter, you'll start to self-censor. It's like, oh, that's that's not trending, or this is trending, or well, this is trending well, negatively, well, even, so even, I, now I need to recalibrate. Exactly. Even better than that is, um, and this is just my view of what I call the machine, but mm-hmm. you know, if you can get, and you, just as you said, you try this, no, didn't work. Get this, oh, I got something going. Got a little bit of heat. I, I'm trending now. And then, oh, can I get it to spill over onto cable television? That happens, you know, then it's great because then the whole machine goes, then the clips are put on Twitter, and then it's just a perpetual motion, just a cycle that goes over and over again and can get really strong like a cyclone. And we've seen this because Miss Lonnie Love's statement, you can go on Twitter and find this statement anywhere. It's just that it's become so comfortable on social media, now it's being said for public consumption across the airwaves. Right. But my biggest thing was the lack of apology. Then that means in the place where illegal gets called for everything, it's like right. what yeah. illegal had to say about this. Yeah, and, and and I don't think you're obviously I don't think you're like personally outraged and offended, but you're looking at the facts of it. No apology requested. Okay, this is messaging. My point exactly. Mm-hmm. My feelings weren't hurt at all. I mean, like they can keep Lonnie, whoever, whatever. <laughs> but it's just, like, it's like, dude, I think it, I think it's punishment enough. You got to watch the reel. I mean, that's pretty harsh. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, <laughs> that's hard. Um, but it's not only on social media that the powers that be, they, as we refer to them, um, lovely, um, <laughs> um, they want to control other forms of entertainment and that's lit uh, Whitlock 3.1 you know you said something about masculinity a few times you referenced it right now um the nfl is a very masculine sport is it not without question it's the most masculine thing in pop culture and it's the most powerful thing in pop culture are there some sort of effort underway to emasculate NFL players, black NFL players. They, they look black. The NFL is the largest showcase of black masculinity we've ever seen in America. It's the most popular show on Fox, ESPN, uh, ABC, NBC, and CBS. That's five television networks. That the NFL is the number one show on. That's unprecedented in pop culture. That's unprecedented in television history. And so, and it's a showcase of black male masculinity. And I just don't think some people are comfortable with that. Ooh, I I know a couple of things, but man, if they start to mess with most football, man, now it it is going to get personal. They already have. And that's that was the thing with the Colin Kaepernick of course, thing. Of course. It was about discordianism. Uh, it was about, okay, if we could push this agenda, then what's next? As I've said before, we're always the first through the door. The race thing is always the first through the door. And then we're left holding the door for every Everybody other else ideology to come, to yep. come after. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if this Colin Kaepernick thing flies... Then we're, we, the door is open. You know, we can wedge everything else in to attack the most masculine thing in American pop culture, as Whitlock said. And it's the biggest television show. Oh, it's number on, one on, in on entertainment. On yes. Yeah. Number one on five stations by, you know, um, by a landslide. 
you know, um, so that was the, that we're seeing it start to. Um, it's the beginning. Of, it's beginning of the end. Well, I think that was the that that was the flag was planted. It was like, no, you're not going to touch my NFL. Uh, not because of some self righteous thing. I think men, that's our only escape left is sports. Right. NFL being the biggest mental escape uh, because when you work a nine to five, 40 hours a week, uh, Saturday is meant for the family and Sunday is meant for my football. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just telling you the average American. Of course. That's American as apple pie. It's I'm, just, I'm not out of touch, Mo. I'm, I, I, no, no, I'm, no I, know, I know you don't watch sports, but I'm just saying is... Let me give you just give you some perspective, a little inside baseball. Um, Here we go. Black churches in are scheduled around football. Oh, this is this is true inside baseball, and we're talking about football. This is a good one. I like it. This is I did not realize. Okay, all right. Black church usually starts at ten thirty, eleven o'clock, right? A.M. But on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, no, 12.45, you're looking at your watch, you're looking at the pastor, and you're looking at your watch, and you're looking at the pastor like, kickoff is at one. And the pastor's looking back going, I know, kickoff's at one. Right. <laughs> Normally, there's a, con- I mean, uh, the people usually congregate outside and chat, and, you know, and no, not not doing football season. It's like, wow. just for some perspective, my dad used to drive a separate car to, 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 to leave church. early. <laughs> To, no, leave, to leave on time. Now he wouldn't leave early. <laughs> he leave on time. <laughs> early. But you... <laughs> oh, that's a good story. Okay. But that just tells you how powerful. Oh yeah. No, I get it. Uh, football is because but... it's a it's a it's symbolic war. I mean, it gets the juices going. I mean, and, so... I, and I want to remind people who are listening because you know you and I just shooting the shit with each other. But there are people listening. Right. Whenever Mo says inside baseball, pay attention. That's like, that's time to take it off 1.5 times speed. Slow it down to one because you're going to learn something. I love this one. Good nugget, Mo. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this that was his hands off. And that's why you saw such a pushback, not only among white males, but black males. It's like, dude, you're messing with my football. No, no. You, you went too far. Yep. Now, boycott football? Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, that, that was a real uh, sentiment. Uh, but... I digress, and we'll let Jason uh, continue on toxic masculinity. And I think if you look at our society as a whole, there's an attack on masculinity. They say there's an attack on toxic masculinity. I say there's an attack just on masculinity in general. And football, in terms of pop culture, is the head of the snake. And yeah, I think football's under attack for those political reasons. Wow. What what is the goal to emasculate such a a masculine sport? Should we should we start playing uh flag football? Well, I I think there's a group a part of society that has decided that men are the cause of all problems in the world. And let's say that's true. But you also got to give men then credit for the good things in the world. If they get all the blame for everything bad, that's give right. them all the credit for everything that's good. Mm-hmm. And so don't try to, well, the bad things are all on y'all and we got to 
the good things are on us. You know, I, I, I'm a little torn because I thought it was just the white guys who were the problem. And I, you know, and I was kind of bearing the brunt of that. And, you know, now I got to share it with you. What the hell? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Well, th- this, is, this, is now, not, now, now this is not discussed. The, uh, this is not discussed or well known. We're about to get into the, uh, what is it, Victim Olympics here? No, no, no. no. <laughs> We've been dealing with this for so long. <laughs> it's just like, it's now you're just seeing it. Oh, it's okay. like, no. We, and and uh, Stephen A. Smith says something, and it's not exactly correct, but it's catchy the way he says it. He says, when, um, when white people get a cold, black people get the flu. I think that's how he says it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whenever you see a problem cropping up, we're the uh, what is the thing? I, it slips my mind. Called the lead, the lead indicator. Yeah, canary in the black, coal mine. Yes, black people, black people in general, and black men in this case are the lead indicator. Pay attention, what's going on here? I am, oh, believe me, I am. Even Pay if I don't like football, I get it. I I see the yeah. problem. <laughs> I see it. This this is the lead indicator of. Oh well, okay. I'll let uh, Jason Whitlock explain it. New leadership. The world. There's an element of the world that wants to usher in uh, new leadership, female leadership across the world. It's like the time for man has passed in their mind. And so, again, if there's going to be an attack on any group, black people are going to be the first people up to get attacked. And so I feel like, and I know white guys will disagree with this because I hear them crying all the time. They feel, yeah, they feel like they're under the hardest attack. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, y'all don't even know. Really? So now I get attacked by my fellow man because I did exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah, all right. Well, you know what? Thank you, Mo. Thanks for bringing this because I was truly uh, bigoted in thinking that, yeah, this is just the white man who was hated. And now it turns out I get to share. Yeah. And, and man, learn. And no learn. Idea. And learn. <laughs> Maybe there's a couple of tips. Maybe there's a few things that uh, that you've already uh, witnessed, experienced, and learned that uh, you can pass on. That's why we're doing this show. No, I know. Um, I know. I'm just leading the witness. No, I'm just saying. What I'm, what I'm saying is that's this, uh, this specific show. That's why we're doing it because... It, there is a war going on. You might not have been drafted yet. You might have not been uh, not on the front lines yet, but there is definitely, and I think for older people, and when I say older, my age and older, we don't experience it as much because we went through the mating ritual. Yes. Uh, in a different time. No, I'm definitely, or, I'm definitely removed from, uh, from this for sure. Yeah. But the younger people, I'd say uh, 30 and under, they are going through this. And it's, man, I would not want to be single now. Mm. And I know that sounds weird because most people are, oh, man, if I could do it. No, I don't. I would not want to have the date in this environment because it's the environment itself is toxic. It's not the masculinity. It's the interaction between the two sexes that's toxic. There's a lot going on for sure. Yes. Uh, 
But as we always do, we have to go back and say, where did this come from? Yes. Uh, what was the source of it? So I did a little digging. Uh, this is on Brooklyn TV, uh, a television show called BK Live, and it discusses black radical feminists over the years. I mean, the women in this exhibition, many of them were part of organizations that were, you know, quote unquote, mainstream feminists. They were in dialogue. I don't at all want to create the impression that this was like a deep schism and there was no interaction. Because, in fact, the model that I would use that Catherine and I, uh, my co-creator, have come up with is much more of a Venn diagram. It's like Mm. some these people appear in so many different places. They would maybe be involved with Ms. Magazine, which was founded by Gloria Steinem and Letty Pogerbin, um, a very kind of mainstream Mm -hmm. feminist publication. But, you know, Faith Ringgold appears in that publication. Alice Walker was an editor. Toni Morrison wrote many kind of of our iconic figures, black women feminists, appeared in that publication. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, I know it's coming when you mention Gloria Steinem. I think we've brought it up on the show before, haven't we? Yes, and this is this this is these next two clips are throwback clips, but we have to do it for perspective, and just to really, uh, as this the uh, lady said on the last clip, Miss Magazine, that's MS Magazine, Mm -hmm. uh, it employed a ton of black feminists in the era of the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, and these women went to go on to be um the uh pinnacle of black feminism. Uh, and it had a source, which uh, is Gloria Steinem. But Gloria Steinem had an interesting connection. Gloria, at the festival, you worked for the Independent Research Service. That's right. Um, well, exactly when did your own association with the CIA start, and in what fashion? Did they come to you, or did you go to them? In 1958, when I came home from, from India, I discussed with student leaders, past and present, uh, many of them active with the National Student Association, uh, this kind of small foundation to encourage Americans to go. They thought it was a good idea, too. I was then told by foundations and professors and friends that it, that I should not do this, that I would get in trouble with the House on American Activities Committee, the American Legion, all of those 50s people, uh, and I became convinced that it was impossible. It was at that point that the student leaders said to me that they had in the past received funds for international programs from the CIA and that they felt that this was important and could also be partly funded by the CIA. No, they're such a philanthropic organization, those CIA guys. (laughs) We just feel it's good. Don't worry. (laughs) It's good work. So, Gloria, she's obviously connected to the uh, the CIA. Well, I, I love how she, when I came back from India, I was approached by the CIA. Things that don't happen to most people. As <laughs> I came back from India. <laughs> right. And it's just that, but you, what you would have to, what most people would believe, and even I brought this up with my mother, and she didn't even know this. Uh, and just for perspective, my mom came up through the bra burning era. Uh, she actually participated in that mindset, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> which made for interesting dinner conversations between her and my father, which was, uh, Oh, I'm sure very, he, he was uh, not, yeah. not super stoked about it. No, no. When I told her this, 
She was like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, mom." Oh, she didn't you know, know what about saying? Like, she didn't know about the CIA connection to the oh, whole no, movement. Very, very little people know about this connection. Wow, and 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 she was shocked. Did she feel like she probably been a bit manipulated once once you told her that? Yes. Yes, um, because uh, these women that were listed in the previous clip were icons for women her age, just like they're even icons for women in present day. They're still selling their books. They're still giving speeching engagements. Um, well, Jane Fonda still has an active career. She was a part of the of the gang back then. It, it, exactly. So it's just that they created these icons uh, to basically mislead or um, push an agenda. So let's just get into part two of this clip. Particular points of view to put forward, which would have been much, much more restricting than than, uh, the CIA funds were, which were free. I mean, no one was told what to say. You mean they were free? You mean to say it was easier for you to work for the CIA than a private that's right. That's right. And and the the reason I think that comes as a surprise, as it did to me at the time. I mean, I had the conventional liberals' view of the CIA as a right wing incendiary group, and I was amazed to discover that this was far from the case. That they were enlightened, liberal, nonpartisan activists of the sort who characterized the Kennedy administration, for instance. <laughs> yeah wow I, I played that clip just to let people all because people say oh the cia that's when you think cia you think american dad uh <laughs> you know that prototype but right. these were very liberal thinking people oh yeah <clears throat> that was passing around funds to, to uh propagate their uh ideologies uh with that said one name that wasn't mentioned in the rundown of the radical black feminist was Michelle Wallace. Have you heard of Michelle Wallace before? Uh, yes. This name rings a bell. Um, have have we talked about her before on the show? A a smidget, a smidget, but it's, she's very important to this, uh, narrative where we're headed at. Okay. Uh, Michelle Wallace uh, she is best known for her 1979 book, uh, Black Macho and the Myths of the Superwoman. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And this is like one of the feminist Bibles uh, for modern day third wave feminists. Uh, so it says here, I'm just going off the wiki here. It just says uh, Macho, uh, Black Macho it was published in 1979. Uh, it criticized sexism in the black community and black nationalism in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had a show about black nationalism when uh, with Malcolm X. He yep. was talking about we need to be self-sufficient. And all of a sudden, here comes this woman with this book, uh, basically tearing it down in a way. Uh, she called it uh, called the men uh, hypermasculine hypersexualized uh inordinately strong black women unfa- um that's what the superwoman was that was an inordinately, inordinately strong black woman unfazed by white racism which is weird because 
I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I will. <laughs> I'm, well, uh, while you were talking, I'm listening, and I'm also looking through some of her career, and okay. I'm getting a much better picture of uh, Miss Wallace here. I think the reason why she is lost to history, she is really, her, her work is out there, but her herself is lost to history. And the reason why I say that is they have no problem with the black macho part, but the superwoman part is actually a archetype now. Right. Beyonce. Uh, yes. An orderly strong black woman unfazed right. by white racism. Right. Which what brings to mind to me is scandal. Uh, Olivia Pope. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Beyonce, Oprah, Michelle Obama. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of uh, lots of uh, super women. Right. So I think they embraced the superwoman part. So they didn't want to say the myth of the superwoman. So I think that's like kind of got to slide her to the side. And there were other reasons that we'll get into, but um, let's just get into the uh, the bio of Miss Michelle Wallace. She became famous in 1979 when at 27 she published the book Black Macho and the Myth of the Superwoman, a book in which she criticized black nationalism and sexism. She completed her Ph.D. in 1999 at NYU in Cinema Studies. Her topic for her dissertation was Passing, Lynching, and Jim Crow, U.S. Visual Culture, 1895 to 1927, in which she wrote extensively about early film, including Uncle Tom's Cabin, Birth of a Nation, and the silent films of Oscar Mischu. And she's written a ton of books, um, her own books, but also she's been the editor of multiple volumes. She is a professor currently at City College, New York, and where she teaches uh, every semester, and in this semester, in the fall semester, she will be teaching a course on Toni Morrison. So that's her bio. And I know you guys are like, oh, man, that sound quality is horrible. Well, when I went to go dig for Miss Michelle Wallace, the only interview I could find of her on YouTube was some lady in her kitchen on interviewing s- her on Skype, via on Skype, Skype or something. Yeah, I could hear the digital. Yeah. yeah. I know you were like, I'm not, I know you're an audiophile, so you're like, what, what the hell? But I mean, that, but that's it. So there's no, and that's she, where she's, she's been marginalized. She's been whitewashed, dare I say. <laughs> I'm deep white today. Uh-huh. She's been whiteballed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, but that's weird. It's like the the mother of this book that was so pivotal, and it was pivotal. Don't, don't, don't get it wrong. Um. It was two books uh, we're going to discuss in that time period. Uh, this being the first one, she I mean she made the cover of Miss Magazine. Uh, that was a that was a huge thing. Um, yeah, and, so and she, well, I mean, so she's she's basically just it's just not doesn't. I mean, if you don't exist on YouTube, do you exist at all? Really? It, it's exactly. I mean, if you don't have a. Uh, a body. I mean, because everybody has VHS tapes they're uploading, and yeah. I mean, listen to some of the things we put on this show of that were captured in, you know, uh, the most obscure places. And, she, and this is modern day. I mean, I think that that interview made was like two or three years old. You're I skyping mean, with a lady. Was, I'm not, not the, the, but she was also yeah. Essence Magazine's editor at large in '83. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Columnist for the Village Voice in the mid '90s. I mean, this is this is a published. She's published, 
But even this stuff is like, wow. That's, uh, I guess, the, and you know, and all because of the myth of the superwoman part, probably. She's been, I, that's what I assume. And there's other reasons that we'll get into. She's been um, really been canceled, like for real. Yeah. Mm. Buried, buried in, um, buried in by history. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into her legacy. So what do you want your legacy to be? Because, you know, it, everything is changing, but the work and the significance of your work is not changing. Your work is still significant, if not more than it was 20, 25, 30 years ago. So what, what would you like for your legacy to be? Yeah, Well, I don't know. It saddens me somewhat that uh, Black Macho is still so deeply relevant for young Black women. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a long time, I was in denial about that. You know, what, what could you all possibly know about what this was like? But apparently it's still going on. And that saddens me. Have you um, had a chance to read the book, by any, you know, Mo? Have you come across it? No, I haven't came. I, I, I'm actually going to order a copy. I was going to say, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I want to read this. Yeah, I actually do too. I do too. I mean, I've, I've saw uh, numerous videos of people discussing the book and the impact it would have had on them. Mm-hmm. But I would like to read it for myself. Yeah. Uh, I just got to gotta find the time. I mean, just to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah. Hmm. But at the same time, uh, uh, so she got lost in history. And I couldn't find anything else about her. So, I mean, I dug deep, deep. No, I know. Deep you, in- you, you do your research. No, no, there's no doubt yeah. about that. No doubt. No doubt. Interesting. And, but while digging for her uh, and clips on her, I found this clip. And just to say to people, take the speaker with a grain of salt, but the content I have verified. In 1978, Gloria Steinem put a book called Black Macho and the Myth of the Superwoman on the cover of Ms. Magazine. The book was written by a black feminist and activist named Michelle Wallace, who came out of nowhere. Wallace was in her early 20s at the time, yet she was being touted as the leader of black feminism. In the book, Wallace called abolitionists like Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth ugly and stupid for supporting black men. She called black revolutionaries chauvinist macho pigs and advised black women to go it alone. Gloria Steinem said that Wallace's book would define the future of black relationships and she pushed hard to make sure the book received massive publicity. Gloria Steinem's work triggered a flood of hate black men books and films that continues to this day. Needless to say, some were quite suspicious of Ms. Magazine and Gloria Steinem. Why was Steinem sticking her nose into the affairs of the black community? So people started doing some research in Steinem when it came out that Gloria Steinem was probably the ghost writer of the book with Michelle N- Wallace's name on it, Wallace had a nervous breakdown and went into hiding for two years. Oh, Mo, you were keeping this from me. Nice one. <laughs> Must be very hard when I ask these questions. You already know what's coming up next. Okay, I, uh, this is great. I had no idea about this. Yeah, my mom was this- a big Gloria Steinem fan. I mean, she, now I, I got to... What do I have? Fifteen years on you? Uh, Ten. But I think she was an icon for a lot of women. I mean, because if you just take it at face value, as we take all the leaders, you know, I mean, you could say the same thing for MLK, whoever else. We don't understand the powers 
that are behind them that are propelling them on the TV screen being what uh, trending is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be on a front page of a popular magazine, that's kind of like trending number one on Twitter now. Oh, right? in, in a way. But also Ms. Magazine, uh, a black right. feminist, and certainly in that time, and it must have been phenomenal. And it's interesting because everything that uh that i heard here would work perfectly in today's world except for you know the myth of the superwoman of course but maybe they can uh do an abridged version of the book <laughs> yes no, it's cut no that myth. part out i mean I, <laughs> no myth yeah i think yeah, it's accepted it's like yeah you know you don't understand it but i am the, i am superwoman yeah something like uh, that yeah so there we have it uh it seems that she was backed by uh some uh, nefarious uh, agenda. Well, worse. I mean, that, this, this is claiming that that she was a, a phony, even that this book was written indirectly by the CIA. And you wonder if you wrote a killer book, you should be able to at least maintain a career as a writer. I'm not saying you I mean lightning only strikes once. You know, it never strikes twice. But you should be able to at least maintain and have other works that would be writing some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would at least, you know, keep your momentum going, but now, she just disappeared. Now, um, what would the benefit be for the for the powers that be to do this? So if the CIA is supporting uh is supporting this indirectly, or actually quite directly, through Gloria Stein, mm-hmm. who may or may not have written it but certainly promoted it, what is the agenda? Is the agenda again just uh control? It's still control. Hang with, hang with me now. Uh, while okay, I, brother, I, I'm here. Yeah, I'm no, hanging. No, no, because I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want you to think about it as in then and now. Okay. Okay, we're going to go a couple, few shows back when Malcolm X was talking about black people not voting and because that was black nationalism. Right. Not voting and doing for ourselves and having our own thing. And then she comes out with this book attacking black nationalism. Uh, if a white person says black nationalism is bad, that doesn't really do anything. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, of course it's bad. I mean, it's not it's not good for you. Second point, uh, Gloria Steinem, she said she was surprised by what made up the CIA. You would think it would be this super conservative organization. But it was really... a a large group of liberal thinking people. Right, 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 right. So if Malcolm X says the liberals are the problem. <laughs> gotcha. That you've been voting for. <laughs> right. He's got to go. And his ideology has to go with him because, you I mean, you can kill the man, but the bigger thing is killing the ideology. Now, now get in your time machine and come to 2020. All right. And you can see why the black male patriarchy is under attack again because the black male patriarchy is loosely based in black nationalism in a way. And it's weird because you hear white nationalism. Right. I was going to say, it's like, uh, if I called you a black nationalist, that would make mm-hmm. me a white nationalist by default. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's and, really and, funny. And we're equal. And we're equal in the same people's eyes. Yeah, except uh, I could get stoned to death for saying it. 
Yeah, but it's the same sentiment towards me. Of course. It's like, no. Of course. No, of course. Like, no, of course. Global good, national bad. But it's holy crap. No, Mo. It actually is a government plot. We're not we're not <laughs> we're not conspiracy theorists. We're not just paranoid. They're actually out to get us. Yes. <laughs> okay. And I'm here to warn you. Thank I'm you. Here to, Thanks. I'm here to just, off. just in time. <laughs> All right. So um where are we at? Okay, so for every polar, there needs to be a polar opposite. Thank you. And this, in this same time, there was a a, a lady named Sharzad Ali, and she wrote a book, a very pivotal book. Uh, let me find the name of it. A very inflammatory book. Uh, also, the Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. It was. For this book, it was written in 1989, so that's uh what ten years later. Because mm-hmm. uh, as you heard the man, uh, the speaker before say, um, Michelle Wallace's book uh, set off a bunch of black male hate writings. Mm-hmm. So naturally, oh, you I, I, rem- I, rem- I remember her. Uh, I know you do. I, I know. Well, also, I was working in New York, and then uh, uh-huh. where I where our studios were. Uh, was Donahue and mm-hmm. Sally Jesse Raphael. Maybe that's not... Donahue, I think, is a good example. And uh, who's the other... The one who married Connie Chung? Maury, Maury Povich. Maury, she, she, she made the whole... Yes, yeah. I, I recognize the, the headgear. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember her. Very <laughs> iconic. She got, she got like... Yeah, the, with, the, with lightning bolt. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's like an African queen thing going on there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she was hated. Uh, but... Let's listen to her on Geraldo. Understandably created a firestorm of controversy within the black community. And we have assembled a distinguished group to debate its premise and its message. Basically, that the black woman is responsible for most of what ails the black community. Now, before we get into what promises to be a passionate debate, I'd like to introduce you to Debbie Mitchell, the co-producer of this program. Debbie, I want to start... I know it's unusual, but I want to start with two questions to you, the producer of of the program. First of all, what do you think about the basic premise of the book that the black woman is responsible for most of what ails the black community? Um, First of all, black men and black women know that the black community is under strain right now. And for Shaharazad, a black woman, to basically attack black women, I think that she's putting blame. It seems like she's putting blame on them for the state of the situation. Are you frightened by this book? I mean, are people reading it? Yeah, people are reading it. It's specifically the younger black males. I see a lot of them on the trains when I'm coming into work. Their their heads are glued to the book, and it's scary. Mm. It's scary. Scary. Um, okay, I didn't use much from that show for Geraldo except that introduction. That was the introduction. That's how the show started off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even he said it's unusual. So you bring a guest on. You don't let you tell what you think the book is about. And you don't let the guest speak. And then you go to your black your producer, female your pr- producer, producer <laughs> yeah. to say, hey, this is kind of unusual. But I don't want to ask you two questions about this book that we haven't even talked about yet. That's not strange at all. Well, it's, uh, it's it, of course. Yeah, so they, they uh, when when she made the rounds, that's what she got all. Of, I mean, I kind of I watched pretty much all of them. Uh, Geraldo and uh, like you said, uh, Donahue, um, 
the three they had on YouTube was Geraldo Donahue, and it was another one. I can't remember. So, who. what's her deal? What is her background? Where is she coming from? What? Uh, well, her background is she's a uh, she wrote several books. She's an author. Um, this was her biggest book by far. Mm. Uh, she has she comes from the teachings of the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you some perspective of her ideology. Uh, but yeah, it's well, the thing I did, I kept digging, uh, and I found this obscure interview she had with WFU on uh, WFSU in 1991, which was like, it's kind of like a public access yeah, kind of like channel. Mm-hmm. And she was sitting down with this black, uh, uh, contemporary, uh, kind of professional female. So it was like, okay, it was a good, it was a good long form interview. And let's get into clip one from that uh, segment. And refused to give. And uh, that led me to try to find out, you know, we've always heard that the black man leaves the black family, uh, abandons his woman and children, won't take care of the children, won't work, stays out all night, turns into a drunk, takes drugs. You know, we've heard a lot of negative things. Most of them are true. But uh, I wanted to find out what happens before he gets to that point. What leads up to the breakdown? We've never gone back to try to find out what happens in the relationship between the black man and a black woman that makes him go off and do all of these bad things. Uh, to assume that this is just normal, natural behavior for black men would be to assume that he is naturally bad. And I do not believe that uh, the man that God gave to us as a mate is a naturally bad person. And so I wanted to try to uh, examine what goes on with him? What, what's his side of the story? Did We've a black examined. man ask you to write this book? Oh, no. No, no, certainly not. Uh, I think they were just as surprised as black women. <laughs> uh, many of them approached the uh, title of the book with a little uh, apprehension because they have not had a, a champion. We have never had a black woman who actually stood up and said, I'm standing up for the black man's side of the story. Uh, we know what our side is, and uh, both sides are true. We have done some very dreadful things to each other. And I don't exonerate black men, which is a, kind of a, a misconception that people have. I just say that we know his side. What about our side? And we do have a side. Wow. So that, if you listen to the Geraldo clip, she's attacking black women. and I know. It was very different. You know, it was, it was... Yeah. Now, I will, two things I want to say. First thing, some of the things in her book are very... Um, inflammatory i'm not gonna poo-poo it and that like she you know what I'm saying no some of the things but i wanted to bring perspective so people can see even in the 19 late 1980s you had people saying hey there's this divide that's going on and it's you know what I'm saying it's very problematic for the uh black community yeah what are you doing and and we might want to start looking at both sides which it's okay. You can say black men leave their kids and they're drunks and they're drug addicts yeah, and they're all criminals. It's, but it's and, all a generalization. White men, you know, get drunk and beat their wives and beat their children. I mean, that that's also a generalization. This is true, but it's okay to say that every the whole world can say that about black men. They don't take care of their kids. I mean, it's like it's un, it's a, it's expected. Uh, it's uh, if you tell and it. If you tell somebody you got a dad, it's like, oh, really? It's like, <laughs> okay, but ho- hold on, hold on, hold on. So mm-hmm. that's in the, that's with Black Americans. 
that's the way that's the general thinking is that what you're telling me or is it, you said the whole world is everybody yes the whole world is everybody because that's the narrative that's all you see maury has made a mint off of the paternity test game show let's be honest here yeah okay no you absolutely Uh, that that was probably the maury povich show in particular probably set uh black america back by 20 years just by that Mm -hmm. constant or let's say not put it back but held it at a standstill in the 90s with that bullcrap mind you holy crap that was entertaining to watch but you're yeah, right. That, it Luke, was pretty much Ricky all Lake. black women doing it. Yeah, you're damn man. Yeah. R- Ricky Lake. Uh, yeah, another another fine know, example. He's a he's a he's a sorry man. You know, he won't do anything. So, uh, well, it was the, it, it was said, the it was the paternity test uh, in particular that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, you're right, and that just that just exacerbated it. Oh wow, never even thought about and it. It still goes on. It still go. I mean, I tell people this all the time. <clears throat> about and this is another great function of this show if i'm a white person and i only watch broadcast television only broadcast just say i don't buy cable this is what i get local news black people did something bad uh then then uh you go to your daytime television jerry uh maury um steve what it wilco jerry springer you know, black people don't take care. Black men don't take care of the kids. Black men, you know, these are the, the images I'm showing all day. And then local news come on again, right? Local news goes off. I might get some family feud with some Steve Harvey. How he's one of the good black guys. And then <laughs> uh, law, then law and order. Black man killed somebody. Oh, sounds like a a, a day jam packed <laughs> full of fine entertainment, Mo. <laughs> It's very it's very entertaining, but it's also saturating your mental. And if you don't have interactions with real black people, that's the mentality that you have. So much so that even black people start to believe this. It's like, oh, yes. And then it becomes common, like you asked before about television, where these thought processes come from. It enters through the television. We We've still heard that on the previous shows about No Man in the House. What they say, the kids locked in the projects, their only window out was what? The television. Right. Well, I, I find I, I am so fortunate that I was able to find one of the few black men who has a stable family and is married and has a mom and a dad <laughs> and, a, and a job. Right. A job. I don't, you may I, be dealing drugs, but I'm not sure. I think you have a real and, job. It's, I'm, a, I'm such and, a lucky and guy. And I take care of my kids. Oh, no. And, just, it know, keeps on yeah. going. How? How, how, how is it oh possible? God, I don't, un- you know, have you done a 23 and me? Are you sure those kids are yours? I just want to check. Right. Or, or am I sure I'm black? <laughs> I mean, well, we had that question the I'm other not, day. I'm not that helping was, my case here. That was fantastic. On Twitter, we had, it seemed, he was just trolling kind of, but the guy's like, I like the show, but I'm not so sure uh, Mo's black, and I don't want to have two white guys talking about black issues. And Mo's like, uh, okay. And right. It, but then the guy, find, he, then he posted a video of himself. He's just adorable. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I get great, you. Great guy. I, I, I great get guy. you. I great get guy. you. Yeah. But did you unmask but, yourself? Was that a picture? I don't, I've never seen you. Was that a picture of you that you posted? 
No. That's what I thought. <laughs> like, no. ah, Mo's a handsome guy. I said, nah, that can't be Mo. It's not possible. No, it's not. <laughs> um, and it's not that I'm hiding. It's just that, one, I'm, I don't even take selfies. I think that's the most vain thing. Dude, you don't, you don't have to qualify yourself to anybody No, 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 no. What I, that, that's the other thing. I, don't, I mean, it, the more you double down on it, the more no, I'm, gonna, I'm just bullheaded like that. So it, it ain't going to work. But the, uh, but the cue, we say hello. We know you're listening. We know, we know you're here. Yes, we know you're here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so, but here's the problem. Go back to the Geraldo clip. What the lady say? I'll see him on the trains. The young black man's head are buried in this book. Well, yeah. Miss Charza Ali has had a reemergence on social media, being YouTube. Oh, black men. This black men are going through that same cycle again. It's like, what's going on? It, this is new. The old is new again. Yeah. Uh, and she's getting speaking engagements and propagating her message. Of, uh, but let's get back to exactly what that message is in clip two. And saying all of this and as calling yourself a champion and, and uh, having, if I may say, the courage to write this book uh, and stand by it, you've caused a stir. This book is very yeah. controversial. What uh, are you hearing from public reaction? Well, I, I don't think that it's an issue among black women about whether or not the book is true or not the issue is that i was not supposed to tell these are inside secrets and things that we have never uh let our men know about and many times we what is that we say uh he can't handle me well many times he can't handle us because he doesn't know what it is he's trying to handle he doesn't understand what motivates us we have become very adept many of us as being able to uh, do something right in front of his eyes and then convince him that that's not what he really saw at all and that it didn't happen and so we've kept him kind of confused excuse me wow what is that called there's a term for it uh i call it psychological abuse no it's a it's a specific term Used by uh, MK Ultra? No, I'll give, you want to give it to you? <laughs> yeah, please. And maybe you want to listen to it again. Well, I mean, maybe thirty last thirty seconds of the clip. Okay. Gaslighting. Oh yeah, I never use that term. Yes, of course that's gas. No, that's but exactly I'm saying the technical, is. the technical term, not not the way people use it now, but the technical term of gaslighting is what she explained. Is exactly what she said. Yeah. Well, let me just the last. I'm, let's. It's worth listening I to think, the last thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, he can't handle me. Well, many times he can't handle us because he doesn't know what it is he's trying to handle. He doesn't understand what motivates us. We have become very adept, many of us, as being able to uh, do something right in front of his eyes and then convince him that that's not what he really saw at all and that it didn't happen. And really? so we've kept him kind of confused. Excuse me. Wow. And yeah. who was famous for that tactic? Well, was it wasn't supposed to be Donald Trump. No. Yes. He's <laughs> it, it, intelligence agencies. Uh, uh, that's what they do. Absolutely. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> that was. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also seeing you're right. She is having a resurgence. Mm-hmm. She's back everywhere. She's only she's only 65. So she's got yeah. a lot of spunk left in her. This this will be she does. This will be an important clip. Book- this will be an important clip that the gas, we'll just call it the gaslighting clip. That'll be an important yeah. one. So when somebody tells you, uh, yeah, I, I, you did so-and-so, and they're like, I didn't do that. Like, what? I yeah. just saw you. I mean, just give, for people that don't know what gaslighting is, when you do something, then you act like you didn't do it. 
and it confuses the person, their senses. And it's like, where did it, where was that behavior learned from? Was that a tactic passed down? Who knows? But it's just, she said it. I didn't say it. She said it. I just pointed it out. Um, um, the, uh, the term, <laughs> just cause it's nice to know the term mm-hmm. gaslighting originated from a play in 1938 called gaslight in which a character tries to make his wife believe. And this is interesting because it, the, that's why I probably wouldn't have come up with gaslighting because traditionally it's seen as something men do to women. Uh, mm-hmm. The character tries to make his wife believe she's gone insane to cover his own criminal activity. When he turns up the gas-fueled lights in the upstairs apartment in order to search for a murdered woman's jewels, the gas lights in his own apartment grow dimmer, but he convinces his wife she's just imagining the change. That's where the term gaslighting comes from. Thank you for that little tidbit, because I didn't know where the source of it came from. I just know it was a popular tactic. It helps to remember when you read these things, I find. Once you've read the the, the Mm -hmm. etymology, then it helps. Yeah. I won't forget that. I mean, it'll stick with me. But that's what she just described. And now you have a man that's confused. And you said that's... Let's not use the word the man, what a man typically does to a woman. Let's say the dominant party does to the subservient party. Yeah. Yeah, they flipped the genders in our in our in our race. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh spinning. Yeah. Spinning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clip three. <laughs> and in your book you say that we are not bringing up our daughters and our sons in a correct manner to respect their fathers? No, we're not. Uh, Unfortunately, as I say, since money has been used as the measure, many times if a black man does not have money to give us, we won't even let him see his children. We won't let him spend any time with it because he does not give us whatever the child support is. And I'm not saying that we don't need money to raise a child, but I try to explain to black women that raising a child consists of much more than feeding, clothing, and sheltering it. That's maintaining one. To raise one, you need a return of the parental coalition of the father and the mother to put the proper values into the child. Uh, Many of our boys, uh, when we raise them alone, uh, they grow up with the female emotional mechanism. Uh, They are are suspicious. They are doubtful. They are disrespectful of womanhood. They are bitchy. They can't make a decision. And many of our girls who grow up in a home where there's no man present, they go out into the world and try to mate. They don't have any idea how to live with a man day to day, how to prepare a proper meal, how to be a mother, how to just be in love in the home. Uh, Most of what our people and our children, especially have learned about uh, how you have a relationship, they learned off of television. And television doesn't represent our needs. And so a lot of the confusion has come, you know, from outside agencies that we have not recognized how detrimental it has been to us as a people. Yeah, TV has screwed everybody over. But this is, in this this topic in particular, and and I, and I we're not done yet, but for me, the takeaway is really going to be the DNA test on the Jerry Springer show and Maury Povich, that it, how destructive that was. And all we did is sat there and laughed our asses off. And there's two things that happened in the 19, I want to say 90s, that really changed paternity and, and the drug, drug culture. One, and these were these were these were these were seismic events. One, you just mentioned the DNA test, because before a father could just get up, I'm going to get a pack of cigarettes. You never see him again. Right. Right. 
He didn't have to take care of his kids. That was like that was like the running uh, black comedian joke. I my mean, dad went and got cigarettes. And I ain't seen him since. You know that was the thing. Right. But when DNA came about, now you, which I think is a great thing. I have I have three daughters, and if anybody uh, was the father of children by one of them, I would want them to be held responsible to take care of their uh, their responsibilities. But what it did was now it's leverage. It's leverage. It's like, okay, I can prove you're the father. I go to court. We spoke about this on other show. And then it made family court a tool. Oh, and you know, I, I never watched that. But there's another one. Another, another piece of the puzzle. Family yeah. court. Oh, brother. The family court is now a tool. It's a collection agency. And it's like, if you don't have my money, you won't see the kids. And most of the time, it's not based off the kids. It's based off of one party still wants to be with the other party, and the, and, the, and that party doesn't want to be with them. So I'm going to make your life hard. Yeah, as we heard it's in, called, in the yeah, pre, it's, it's called weaponizing yeah. the children. Right now, just make, can I go off on a tangent? Little thirty second tangent here. Uh, the drug culture. The drug culture used to didn't be violent. It was, okay, if I get caught with whatever, drug X, Y, Z, whatever it is, I'll go do my two, three years, and I'll come home, right? Yeah. But when they started giving mandatory minimums of uh, 20 years, yes. that's when it became violent. Yes. The, the timing Because the now timing you have sense, to yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. You have to die because you can cost me 20 years in the federal pen- penitentiary. I'm just going to show you how these small changes in legal um well, processes it had ripple effects yeah well and in general these types of policies decisions like we've talked before with uh mm-hmm. with busing to schools uh but the same could be said for the federal reserve and their monetary policy guess what these fuckers have no clue no one knows we don't know what the unintended consequences are you just don't know you can only learn from the mistake, and I think uh, as we're learning here, uh, a lot has been learned from uh, mm-hmm. from these mistakes. Sadly, it seems like they're going to be re-implemented for the same uh, political power games and gain, and maybe even modernized to a degree. Well, luckily, family court has changed significantly because... Uh, as I, we, as I said before, when we get when when you get a cold, we get the flu. So yeah. now we're seeing other races of men get drugged through family court. It's like, oh, now we need to make a change. Well, hey, we've been dealing with this for, I mean, and and mostly it's poor men because yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say this last thing and we'll go to the next clip. Donald Trump has what five baby mamas? Uh, Four baby mamas? Yeah, something like that. None of them have said anything bad about him. Because he can provide. Yeah. So that goes to show you when you have the money and the means, you can't weaponize paternity against a man. Just, just, just to point that out. But um, just get back on the TV show, daytime TV show uh, wave. Uh, there's one guy that I love, and his name is Mr. Judge Joe Brown. And he did an episode on the unscripted, uh, Schoon TV, unscripted, 
uh, that podcast that I would just love to share with you guys. But let's talk about the emasculation. Yeah. Why? Um, Who is behind it? Right now, I would say that the people have been propagandized for a 50-year period, and a lot of people who don't even realize it are behind it. The Nazis studied American movies and the American movie industry, and they said they've got it going on with propaganda. <laughs> that propaganda used to be about doing the right thing for the right reasons. Uh, what happened if you didn't sometimes when you did the right thing, the nobility of suffering, the consequences for doing the right thing, or the ignominy of suffering, the consequences for doing the wrong thing, they were laid out. So they took the American propaganda engine, and they refined it, and they developed a precept that is very evident today. Tell a lie long enough, loud enough, and you can get anyone to believe it. It's Joseph and Goebbels. That's Joseph Goebbels, Nazi <laughs> Minister of Propaganda. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's not how you pronounce the name. We all know that. Hold on a second. Let me go to the Reverend Al for the correct, correct pronunciation of what I would say is Goebbels. But here's Al Sharpton. Uh-huh. Gurgle and the Third Reich. Yes, gurgle. <laughs> gurgle. <laughs> but very interesting that uh, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, that Goebbels saw the the U.S. Hollywood machine and said, that's that's what we're going to do. That You guys got it going on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, I always thought it was the other way around. With Operation Paperclip, we brought a bunch of those guys over, including Werner von Braun, and you know, he went on to uh, to create the space program. And uh, I think from there we got uh, uh, who was uh, I'm blanking now. Uh, Freud's uh, uh, oh, cousin. Oh yeah. Um, ah, if you want to say something, because we covered him in the last show. I mean, uh, a previous show. It'll come to me. Ed Bernays, Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays, yes, Edward Bernays. Yep. Now, I'll ask you this question. Maybe we didn't have the payload, but we had the delivery system. For sure. Yes. You're right. I'll, Very good point. I'll put it in. Yeah. So they were like, wow, like, if we could just put our warhead on that delivery <laughs> system. that delivery system, we're, we're be, golden. Yeah, this would be gangbusters. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh yeah, so Judge Joe Brown, he's very very um has great insight, and he's another what what we're seeing here, Jason Whitlock, Judge Joe Brown, uh Sharazah Ali, these pro patriarch talking heads. I hate to use that word, but I can't think of a better one. Um, are resurfacing. Yeah. Nobody's heard of from Judge Joe Brown in many years. He was on daytime television and 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 very competitive. This to give you perspective of how successful he was. He was competitive with Judge uh Judge with Judy, Judge Judy mm-hmm. in yep. ratings. Yep. So, I mean, he was a very powerful voice. I think that's why he was ran off TV <laughs> uh because he he had a very uh patriarchy patriarchal centered uh viewpoint on things yeah this will not stand that's that's not how it no. works no we can't have gotta that. get you all daytime television you yeah. know because you're you're ruining the message yeah uh and speaking of the message let's get into clip three 
What happened to the institution of marriage? That's one of the problems. Back in the 60s, we had women talking about marriage was a form of slavery. So we had some like Nikki Giovanni, the poet, came to UCLA on at least two or three occasions. And the she, Nikki Giovanni. The Nikki Giovanni. The one the young, young black women look up yeah, to. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. was espousing the idea that marriage was slavery. So if you wanted to have children, get knocked up by somebody who was smart and physically set out. And don't even tell the SOB he was the daddy because the worst thing you could do would be to involve a man in the role of a father that would just mess children up. So Do these have, women hate men? They don't like the fact that they've got XX chromosomes instead of XY, and they feel they are deprived, the best I can tell off of what I saw 50 years ago when it was developing. But let me ask you this. If men were so good to women, what caused them to change and turn on men in that manner? They had a bubble of safety. Ooh, I was going to say that's a great question. Bubble of safety. Bubble of safety, yeah. Another name I, I've never heard of, Nikki Giovanni. Uh-huh. She she was in the class with the other women we uh we mentioned uh, as great writers. Right. I mean, right. I, 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 when I say things about people, I don't never want to tear down their skill. Very skilled uh, writer. Uh, but... It's what you're, how you're weaponizing or being used. And I'm going to use this term in its most uh, academic way, uh, useful idiots. Right. Not, uh, you think you're doing the right thing. You think, you know, uh, you think you're making uh, changes or decisions for the greater good, but then you end up duped later on down the line. Uh, She's also one of it, one of Oprah Winfrey's yeah. twenty five living legends. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They and, and and in the clip, uh, uh, Schoon even said that the young women look up. I mean, you say Nikki Giovanni, that name holds weight. Uh, it's kind of like with uh, uh, Maya Angelou, or right, right, you right, know, right. The, when you say these names, I mean, it's kind of like a rites of passage to read these books. For but, certain demographics. By the way, Nikki Giovanni is a great DJ name. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Giovanni with you, everybody. <laughs> oh, so Judge made a mission of women not needing men. And I just want to bring up this point. In the 1993, there was a movie came out with Will Smith, Ted Danson, and Whoopi Goldberg called Made in America. And it was about a black woman. She had a uh, artificial insemination, and her daughter set out to find who her father was. Who ended up being uh, spoiler alert: Ted Danson. If you have seen the movie, and uh, <laughs> I'm a 30 year old, I'm sorry to ruin it for you. Right, but <clears throat> um, but also but that just goes to show you that it was prevalent. Yes, uh, and that, women going out and, and getting sent. I don't need a father. Right, and that. And Ted and Whoopi actually were together in real life, right? Yes. And and just to say one last thing on this topic, that is a insult that's lobbed at men of being a sperm donor. Right. Nothing. You're you're only good for that. Yes. Go to your cup. Yep. Hmm. That's all you are. You're not a father. You're a 
you know, you're a sperm donor. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of sad. But By the way, when someone calls you baby daddy, mm-hmm. to me, I, I don't like these terms. I like baby mama, baby, baby daddy. I don't daddy. either. Uh, when you say that, it's like baby daddy sounds literally like you're a sperm donor. And you send that's a the equi- That's the equivalent. That's yeah. the equivalent. Uh, and but that it it cut both that knife cuts both ways because sure. when you say baby mama, yeah, 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 that's mean you're not good enough to be wife material. Yeah. Oh yeah. It totally sounds like that. So so when people use these terms, oh, it irks me. Yeah, it irks I, me. I, uh, I've never liked. It. And now yeah. and now it's popular culture and it's kind of cool to say it. And I don't like it. Yeah. But it's 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 not a good thing. It's disrespectful. Uh, no matter which way you say it, to me, it's disrespectful. I totally I totally agree with you on that one. Um, but let's continue on with uh, Judge Joe Brown four. Do, have women shifted from relying on the man for that protection to the state, to the police, the, so and the state, to the state? The state, the police is representative of the state. Right? Yeah, see, so police the, are. The women now have displaced the man's traditional role with the government. Yes, what what happens is the inner city is becoming has become a matriarchy. And that's one of the problems we have in terms of community police relations is the order, primary order, in any healthy community typically throughout history came from the masculine component. Mm-hmm. Now the masculine component has not been trained in masculinity, so they don't keep public peace, dignity, and order, and you have the police come in. Yeah. This is and let's not, Go ahead. Go ahead. And let's not forget, this is not just boomer talk for no. the judge because Jay-Z made a similar statement, which we covered on a previous show as well, about the interaction between uh, children that were, weren't raised with authority figure in the household and their interactions with police. Uh, there is a, overall a Western culture thing. I, uh, I noticed it a lot in America, and I've lived in a couple different countries, is this uh, intermediary. We have, a, we have an intermediary for everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got a problem, like, you know, problem with your neighbor, the people don't go over mm-hmm. and say, hey, neighbor, let's talk about this. No, police, right away. It's all, we all want to have someone else who we pay for with our taxes come in and fix the problem. Like, it's like the homeless is the same thing. Well, that should just be fixed by the, you know, but come on, I pay for this, fix it. Where's my intermediary to go and fix it? There must be some, uh, you know, some kind of uh, nonprofit or someone does something around here. Uh, that's an overall I, problem, but I, I totally see what, uh, what the judge was getting at here in this specific example. And one thing that's lost uh, or either ignored purposely is, okay, say you have uh, two parents of a child. And that father, for whatever reason, has fallen behind on his uh, child support payments. Correct? Mm-hmm. Deadbeat. But how does she, how does the mother collect? Through the court system and the and the police. Correct. But at the very exact same time, they're saying the police are shooting our black men dead in the streets. Yeah. But when it's time to get collect. Uh, your money. Let's send those okay racist cops call. over there. <laughs> yes, jeez, yeah, yeah. And, and mass incarceration—the same thing. Because if you can't pay, and eventually can't pay, 
uh, for whatever reason. You hit. I mean, all, all men hit hard times for one, once or twice in life. I mean, it's just a fact of life. Uh, if that happens to happen to you, then what? What happens? You become part of the uh, prison industrial complex. Yeah. At the hands of not being uh, a sustaining father. Now, I will say this. Men have to be more responsible because this is not a beat up on one side or the other show. This is to, you made a valid, great, great, great point. Uh, keeping that person, that middleman out of the conversation. Work with each other. Yeah, for as long as you know, possible, of course. Right. Men know you, you know your responsibility, men. I'm talking to men out there, brothers of the patriarchy. Um, you know your responsibility when you create a child. If you want to be part of that patriarchy, then the number one rule is providing. Mm-hmm. But as I stated before, often we all hit hard times in life and hardships. If a person's able to work with that person, mothers, work with the father and say, okay, I know you're on a hard time right now, but you can catch me up later. But getting that, denying that child visitation, denying that child, I'm not, I said that purposely. Denying the child the visitation, yeah. not the not the yeah. not the father. Yeah, but the you know it drives a wedge in the bad mouth. The father, it just it just keep, work with each other. Keep well, the state out of your out of your family, and, and and you won't have that war in your household. So while we're talking about it, how mm-hmm. does this? It, who's out there trying to change this message or trying trying to propagate the message that you just gave? Basically. Who's who's out there? I mean, I, we we know what powers are at work to undermine all of this. Is it, are, are, where are the good guys? Well, here's here, here's the solution that's cropping up. I don't trust women. I don't want anything to do to do with women. That's no good either. Yeah, that's not a great solution. Right it's not a great solution. <clears throat> yeah, you're playing right into the depopulation game. Right. Which I mean, which is the long game here. Uh, <laughs> Ultimately, and it's just it's just this continual distrust but where is it stemming from i mean you guys had to like each other at some point i mean if you procreated with i mean each other so where but it's these ex- expectations uh it's the more i call it the maury syndrome yeah of of it's a game show it's a game it's a game show i'm not the daddy Woo-hoo! and they run off the backstage you know or you are the daddy you know yeah. it's like and they dance you know it's like what in the hell is going on here you know there should be uh, a, there's, a study should be done a university you know like a, a proper study of the effect mm-hmm. of those particular shows on black america in particular mm-hmm. i bet please you that, somebody that, that please would, somebody that, yeah that would show you some real devastation man it really will and also just and what it's sh- on, on, on the whole positioning right. of it just forget about what's happening to actual black black families or potential black families, because that's what most mm-hmm. of those were, potential families, mm-hmm. uh, the perception amongst the rest of the world. I mean, you know, Jerry Springer wasn't just in America. I mean, this was adored by people in Europe. They'd stay up until three in the morning to watch this. They couldn't believe what was going on. They thought it was so cool. These, look at these crazy nut jobs in America. But subliminally, all along, I would say on those shows, 95% black. Especially on Maury, and yes. then, then here's the other thing: when you get to one name recognition, yeah, in America, that tells you the influence you have. Yeah, and when you say Maury, 
people know exactly know, what know you're who saying. Who he is? Yep. And it has a has a uh, certain um, stigma to it. Uh, uh, but yeah, so um, let's continue on with Joe. Uh, clip twenty three. So uh, a black woman would in turn play the womanly role to a white man that she wouldn't play to a black, yes, woman, and a black a, man if she's been subjected to this sort of program. Yeah, but it's deeper than that. It's a mm-hmm. cultural thing. Uh, pimps commonly run this game, but it's a feminine game that black women are taught. I got to break him down to size. Yeah, girl. Got to tear him down to manageable pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and see, that's the same where a pimp does. He, t- he takes the woman who's susceptible to that and breaks her down into manageable pieces. He tears her down. And that's what you find is a cultural thing going back. Well, that was advocated in this 1710, I think a 1708 pamphlet that I read in the Library of Congress, or at least on microfilm, and it was repeated over and over and over again. Yeah. So what Judge is referring to is the is the Willie Lynch papers, which I haven't really pinned it down if it was real or a piece of propaganda that was circulated in the black community or if it was actually a real paper. He said he read it in the Library of Con- Congress. I don't know, but what it... it what it included was you had to divide old against young, light against dark, uh, male against female, all the things we talked about in the show. So even if it's a piece of propaganda and not really a actual historical document, the content of it is accurate. Now, you cannot assume that I even knew what the hell the Willie Lynch papers were about. Right. And I, and okay, the Willie Lynch paper, I, I kind of described it, but it was a, what was said to be this guy named, last name Lynch. And they said that's where lynching comes from. Uh, he had this pamphlet of how to make a slave. And we uh, go around yeah. uh, to the slave owners and say, okay, this is how you, because ordinarily the slaves will outnumber the owners of the plantation, the slave masters and uh, overseers and family of the uh of, of those people so to keep a, a slave rebellion from happening you had to keep uh the slaves divided it was basically the uh manual for your group of slaves yes congratulations managing- slave owner here here's your slaves and here's the manual on how to manage them yeah. yes yes wow uh and that that's the house negro versus field negro which was light dark uh, old against young. You saw that in Roots with. Uh, I gotta tell. Uh, I gotta tell you, Mo. I, I I'd, yes. ne- I'd never heard of this. I feel somewhat embarrassed, but I'm glad. No, we're, you shouldn't. But I'm gl- no, but <laughs> hey, that's just how I feel. Uh, I'm right. glad we're bringing it up, and of course, all I've 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 gotten in the habit of everything we talk about on the show. Uh, I'll get mm-hmm. some links and I'll put them into the show notes. So please do check the show notes. You can uh, each show note page. You know has. Uh, a lot of Wikipedia entries, but all these different names, you can kind of jumping off point from there. But this also, just like we uh, we learned about gaslighting, well, you learned about gaslighting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that lynching comes from this. Yes, that's where it's said to come from. And like I said, there's debate whether yeah. the validity of it, but I'm not talking about the actual it doesn't matter. historical the, the, validity. The, yeah. I'm talking about... Uh, how it was done. It, the... It, it, <laughs> 
how it's done yeah, and what process. and what's done. And it's clear as day. We've covered every one of those uh, divisions on this show in in multiple episodes. Yes. And we're we're back again on the man versus woman. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's Judge Joe Brown for you. Um, I mean, he and like I said, great source of historical facts. Very very well read, well educated. You know, I mean, he's a judge, of course. So, but yeah, so you're just seeing the older generation is starting to speak to the younger generation. Yeah. Um. So. Not sure if I have a duplicate clip, but let's just listen to 24 and see. Don't get into that. And, you, and, 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 and why? What it, sound, what it sounded like to me, Judge, is that black women are constantly being elevated and promoted, whether it be in politics, as now you see all these women mayors around the country and Stacey yes. Adams in Georgia, or... or or in activism, black women started Black Lives Matter. They are the go-to people to be elevated by people outside our community, which diminishes the value of black men. And it also causes black women to look outside of black men for the protection and the providing that they should well, naturally get from us. Is that, is that what's going on? Well... Willie Lynch, William Lynch, uh, West Indies planter, said that one of the secrets to causing the slaves to domesticate themselves is conditioning the black female to understand that she could not get safety, protection, and provision from her males and to only look to white males to do it. That goes back the first time I saw that was so, in a 1710 pamphlet. So that creates a natural enmity or... It's a cultural thing that's been imposed on us. So uh, a black woman would in turn play the womanly role to a white man that she wouldn't play to a black, yes, woman, and then as a black a, man if she's been subjected to this sort of program. Uh, yeah, but it's deeper than that. It's a mm-hmm. cultural thing. Uh, pimps commonly run this game but it's a feminine game that black women are taught i gotta break him down to size yeah okay girl. i think yeah okay i want to make this point because it, i don't want to seem like it's piling on there are a lot of women of all races especially black women that are appreciative of the patriarchy because they're made to feel safe and protected and provided for but where it clashes at is when they deal with their fellow sisters of a different mindset, they're shamed. And right. one of the things I've noticed in America is we shame stay-at-home moms. It's it's sickening. It's like, oh, so what do you do? I'm a stay-at-home mom. Oh. You get that. Oh, like, oh. Yeah, well, this what is, does that mean? Well, this is it goes back to the same period and it goes it goes back to Steinem and before. Yeah, you know, it's part of the same thing. And and the reason why I say that is it's a it's a well-known saying, cliche, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. So if you really want to, you're saying bring about change, it's the mothers that can do it and it's what they teach their sons at the young age and who they select to have their sons by. That's how you change society. Now, women have a lot of power. 
let's not get this twisted. It's the fact that these sick people know their flaw is their emotional heartstrings and they pluck them uh, to make them feel inferior, to make them feel less than because they stay at home and they want to be uh, taken care of. Um, Not in a sense of provided for, but it's like that's a symbol of love. And uh, just ladies, a little man inside baseball, (laughs) uh, a way a man shows he loves you is how he provides for you. Is that a fair statement, Adam, or no? Uh, well, how he provides, I, I don't know. I, I'm not talking about monetarily. No, I know, I know. The toilet, uh, changing the tire. Uh, I mean, like I fixed that. Yeah, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Look, look, look at look, look at what I can do for you. Oh, I think that yeah, that's that's a very natural masculine trait to want to do. Yeah, of course, I'll take care of that. Yeah. I'll get the bug. I'll get the spider. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'll get that stink bug. Now, <laughs> now I, I do I do want to say, in our house, mm-hmm. we have an equality, right. which is all based on hygiene. Everybody closes the lid. Oh, yes, please. It makes it so easy. First of all, I would say it's smarter to flush the toilet with the lid closed uh, once you've seen the studies of what is floating around. Uh, Aerosol poop. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware. It really is quite disgusting when you know it. But it ends any debate. It ends any in you know falling into the toilet in the middle of the night, which is not a good thing. You know all these things. It ends it if it's just everyone just you're done. Whatever you did, close the lid, flush, good to go. Save everybody. But what's the meme of the 1980s, 90s romantic movie? The guy spends a hundred dollars trying to knock down some milk jugs <laughs> to, to win the girl the a te- a oversized teddy bear, right? <laughs> yes, of course. It's not about money because he no. could have easily went and bought one. It's like I did that, you know, and I want my woman to walk around with a teddy bear at the fair to show. The show. I did this for her, yeah, you know. So it's it's it, but that I think that's uh, ancestral. It goes back to you know the hunter gatherer versus. I mean the hunter. Uh, gather in us that you know we we came back with the with the kill. Well, we've been overrun by you know the same uh, messaging machine, the same delivery mechanism is overrun by people with a clear agenda who you mm-hmm. know are using the same mechanism to tell you that you that that's not okay and that's wrong. And I mean, uh, just look at uh, television commercials. The guy is oh, okay, honey. I screwed up again. I'm a doofus. And we're going to close up here soon. I got a few more clips, but I'm going to piggyback on your point you just made. If you watch children's television, which I do, because I always watch my kids watch when I, when they leave the room, I go come in the room and I watch. It's a hierarchy in these television shows. Both parents are stupid. (laughs) First of all, (laughs) but the dad is substantially more dumber than the mom. Yeah. Oh, dad. Like one of those. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he does. I mean, he's a, he's barely functioning. Uh, <laughs> he's lucky he's breathing no. really. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, and the, and the jokes are like, it's the, it's like two or three dad jokes in every episode, but mm-hmm. 
now this is it, they're they're going down to the the lower level. But Judge Joe Brown in uh, the last clip talked about that tearing down to manageable pieces. Yeah, I wanted to bring to the table what that looks like and what that sounds like. So I went to continue with the daytime television show theme. Uh, divorce court. My man's a wimp. You say your man is a wimp. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's your biggest problem with him. Yes. <laughs> Could you explain that to me? Well, basically, he's a weenie. He's a punk. I'm tired of it. He's not man enough for me. I'm too strong for him. <laughs> now, this was the 90s, this divorce court, or was it later than that? No, this was this was like last week. No. <laughs> I mean, no. like... What? Really? Yeah, this, I mean, okay, at least like uh, six months ago. No <laughs> no older than six months ago. This is on the YouTube I'm, I'm channel. I'm thinking this is like you know, uh, 30 years ago. Really? Last week. Okay. Wow. Yes. Nice. <laughs> but this is the tearing down to manageable pieces. He's a wimp. And just for some background, this isn't to a couple getting divorced. This was an episode of Should We Get Married? <laughs> <laughs> And she's talking to the poor guy like this. Oh, he's a wimp. He's a weenie. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, dude, run. Wow. But uh, wimp too. Well, Miss Clark, you know, Miss I mean, Clark, let me tell you something. You may think he's a weenie and a punk and a wimp, but I'm most certainly not. And if you keep that up, you'll go right through that door. Okay. And she and I will I finish our proceedings now. alone. And you're losing the rational war right here already, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when the female judge checked her, she understood the power structure. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is what it sounds like for a man to be shredded. And I, for all the people that's wondering why this poor guy puts up with it, Wimp 3. I mean, I'm just me. Right. I could just be me. And if you want She's, something else, then go, they, they go get something else. Right. Quit bothering you. Right. Now, having said that, let me say this. Why do you stay? He's from, <laughs> it doesn't seem to make any He's sense to me. No, no Your Honor, I'm going to explain to you. No, it's the other way around. I try Whatever. to get away. I've tried to get away. Miss Clark. Me. This woman is crazy, Your Honor. She will find me. I can move out of the country. Somehow, some way, she will find me. Literally. Do you chase him about? No, that's a lie. So you don't, when he leaves, you don't go searching for him. Well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we may see a modern, or I guess it's just as modern, we may see an interesting version of this uh, take place, this this power dynamic. It may be taking place, it it actually doesn't even matter if it's true or not. I think it may mm-hmm. be spun that way, which is probably the most important part. And that's uh, Prince Harry and uh, and Meghan Markle. Uh, we we may, <laughs> we may see a version. We may see a version of this being portrayed in the media again, whether it's true or not. Already, without a doubt, the messaging is well. Harry's kind of a little pussy whipped. Very true, and she's a superwoman. Yes. And he is a minority because let's face it, Ginger's got it rough. Right. And for the archetype of shoes she's supposed to feel, she's going to play the role. 
Yeah, and it's and it, and wow. Let's just think about this because I think <laughs> I think the uh, the overall theme here uh, has been the influence of uh, media, television in particular, and how uh, this power dynamic has been displayed, and uh, and it's total black exploitation. Uh, I'm now coming to realize. Uh, of course, back in the '90s, I was woo. Look at me, I'm Mr. MTV. I, well, yeah, that's funny. Look at Jerry. Look at Maury. You, know, you don't really think about it. What the uh, the long-standing impact of that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now this story, it is the fairy tale story. She married a prince, but the prince, instead of take, and again, he may be in charge of everything. He may be running the show. He'd be like, "Baby, I'm taking care of you." That's not what's being portrayed on television. And I don't think that's the way it's going to play out uh, the story. And it kind of breaks the whole... That's a real... If it plays out that way, Mm -hmm. very destructive to the whole... The ultimate patriarchy is the handsome prince sweeps you away. They live happily ever after. And this one could turn out differently, where I had to tell him what to do. I had to drag his ass back to America or to America. I had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in. I'm the. I'm the superwoman. I'm taking care of it all. Wow, this will be very. And I have new eyes to watch this with. And a monarchy is nothing but a patriarchy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you can take down the monarchy, <laughs> but it's, it's the death. It's the death. It's the. It's the headshot for the nationalism it is it's a headshot for the patriarchy you know what i mean it, it, it kills a couple of birds with one stone wow <sighs> it's a tough time to be a man mo <laughs> welcome to the game welcome to the game adam <laughs> mo thank you so much for putting this one together a lot to think about and a lot to pay attention to And as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And we will reveal ourselves again about a week from now. Please support the show at MoFundMe.com, M-O-E-Fundme.com. How can I express to you the joy I felt when I realized that I had found the perfect man for me? The man who could make me feel all the things I felt a woman should feel. I said, darling, I want to be the perfect woman for you. I got myself a three-year subscription to Essence magazine. Read it from cover to cover. You know I wanted to be perfect for him. I said, black is beautiful. Just keep getting up. Together we can make it. It's going to be all right. If for some reason you feel that you can no longer be the man that I thought you were at the beginning of our relationship, then I got this one thing to lay on you, my sweet. Go away, little boy. Why don't you just go away, little boy? You see, you're getting kind of hard. For me to understand, so my man, just go on away, just go on away, just go on away, little boy. Before I do something rash, little boy, 
another seven strings, little boy. Cause you're hurting me more. Every So why don't you go on away, little boy? For I, for I, why don't you just leave me alone? You know what I mean? Go ahead, take your things with you. Your, your albums and all them Playboy magazines. And just go on, get out of my life. Now don't stand so close to me when you're trying to get that last goodbye kiss. I know your moves now. Don't pull me like this. <laughs> and don't, don't kiss my eyelids like that. And, and please don't suck my earlobes like that. And, and don't, and don't, and don't, don't. But... <laughs> Well, look, uh, you think you can get a job by Thursday? You promise? <laughs> Now you ain't gonna fool me this time. Then you might as well stay. Stay. Might as well stay. Don't go away. You can be my man. This time I'm gonna try harder to sweep it. This time I'm gonna be sweeter. 